Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham. Once again, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in punk, but had their life changed by the genre in a major way. Today on the show, huge guest, the legend, the GOAT, Barney Greenway of the band, the gods. Napalm Death is on the show today, and he's also from Benediction. He was in Extreme Noise Terror for a second. He was in Disgust. More on that in one second. But also, do not forget to check out the fantastic new Napalm Death record, Throws of Joy from the Jaws of Defeatism on Century Media. An amazing record. This is one of those bands that, you know, they care. They care. So they're never going to give you a bad record, but this record is phenomenal. So... So check that out. More on that in one second. But first, if you want to get in touch with this podcast, head over to the email address, turnedoutapunkpodcast at gmail.com. That and the Facebook page and the Instagram page, both of those are found at Turned Out of Punk on those platforms, are run by my brother, show producer, guest booker extraordinaire, Tristan Abraham. Tristan, thank you so much, buddy, for all the hard work you do for this show. I love you so much. But anyway, Tristan will get the message to me. If you want to find me more directly, I'm at Left for Damien on various forms of social media, being Twitter and Instagram. If you'd like to support the show, the best way of supporting the show is by telling all your friends about it, saying you enjoy this podcast that we do here. You can also subscribe to it and rate it on your podcast platform of choice. You can also head over to patreon.com slash turnitapunk and support the show that way. We put up uh, footnotes on there and yeah, very, 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 very grateful for all the people over there at Patreon for supporting this podcast. Also, huge thank you to the fine folks at Vans. Vans came aboard a couple years ago and said, Damien, do what you do, just don't do it out of your pocket, and we want to help you do this thing, and they have. So thank you very much to all my friends over there at Vans for their continued support of the thing that we do here. And that thing that we do here this week is interview Barney Greenway from the band Napalm Death. Now, Napalm Death, they're really a band that needs no introduction. Uh, they're a band that are, are legends, you know, legends. They invented genres, invented whole styles of music, and uh, they are continuing to do that. You know, they keep pushing the envelope. And, and more than that, Barney is someone that has always waved a flag. Like, they're a band that gets lumped in and, you know, called death metal or, or you know, some people call them grind, you know, whatever you call them. But they are a punk band, and that's what really comes across in this episode. And I knew it would, because anytime you see Barney on stage, he's got some sick-ass punk shirt on, or some really obscure Japanese hardcore band shirt on, or or something. So I, I kind of knew this would be going this way uh, before I sat down and talked to him, but oh, this was a dream, a dream come true, you know? He's a huge influence on so many people, myself included, and uh, kind of a perfect way to wrap up uh, the punk metal thing that I was kind of doing on the show. Cause you know, he's a guy who's, who's waved that flag for a very long time. So anyway, I'm not going to ramble on anymore. Sit back, relax and enjoy Barney Greenway on turned out a punk. Barney, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, no problem. No problem at all. It's uh it's nice and sunny over here, which will probably confuse a lot of people as it's the UK, but it's, it really is, you know, quite a beautiful day. So and there is lots to be happy about in that respect. Well, the sunny side of Birmingham sounds like a punk compilation if there ever was one. Well, yeah. And, but the thing is that um, um, I'm already going to sort of throw a spanner into the works at this point. I don't actually live in Birmingham anymore. I actually live um, basically right on the coast 
you know, if you walked out of my front door and did a left and walked for 10 minutes, you'd fall into the sea, basically. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't live in Birmingham anymore. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a different scene. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, it's picturesque in a completely different way now. You know, it doesn't have the in- industrial picturesque yeah. view. It's something else uh, cinematic. Yeah. Grotty fucking factories. You know, <laughs> like no, I'm I'm joking. I mean, I you know Birmingham's always, always in my heart, as it were. You know. So. Well, we're going to talk about Birmingham, I'm sure, in a second. But Barney, I got to start them off the way they all start off here. Uh, how did you get into punk? Do you remember the first time you ever came across the genre? Yeah, I mean, really, it was um, the the first time I read it, but didn't really understand it was. Um, was uh, and it's funny because I did this for a, a, a like a feature thing the other week. So I think it was like Babylon's Burning by the Ruts. That was really the first thing that I heard, you know, way back in the day. And I just remember thinking, thinking to myself, "Oh, this is like this is jaunty, you know. I, I I can I can do this, you know." It was. It seemed a lot more at that time, you know. Uh, so you know, seventies, eighties. It seemed a lot more jerky and schizophrenic sounding and you know very kind of on the edge uh, you know for that time so yeah it just really um it's, it's still a great song to this day you know it, it's such a great chorus you know and the way it kind of breaks out it's uh fantastic you know so so that really was my starting point you know but then like to come into the more the punk which is more what where napalm is is probably um gbh you know so 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 of course uh, another band from birmingham you know um i mean the leather bristle studs and acne album to this day for me when it's one of those albums when i listen to it it transports me back in time you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so to various things really you know getting up to no good and you know (laughs) Um, just being a bit belligerent and stuff um and yeah it's um and of course the irony is is that all these years later you know i i, I got to know the guys and and they 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 are they're still really nice people you know consider them really good friends you know so yeah the best people like i was going to say like you know one of those bands that when you meet you're like I hope it lives up to expectations. And a lot of times with punk bands, it, it can go either way. And yeah. they are amazing. Yeah. I really, you know, it's, it's so, and then, and then from then on, really, it went kind of exploited discharge, you know, um, and then into stuff like, well, well, Napalm, you could say, uh, Chaos UK, you know, and, and then that next generation, which I really connected with. Um, because of course we had the we had the venue in Birmingham called the Mermaid, so we, the, I mean every week there was a, such great shows there. You know, punk bands, hardcore punk bands, which were starting to really take off, uh, and there was uh, metal bands on there as well. You know, who were still immersed in that in that particular scene. You know, so it was just um, just a great experience all round. Going all the way back to the Ruts, it's amazing how that band, you know, you know, obviously hugely popular in the UK, but you know, the other place that they became incredibly popular is Washington DC and kind of become foundational in a weird way to like American hardcore. Yeah, I mean, you can imagine that, you know, because obviously Washington DC had its um had that that particular thing going on, you know, with the 
bad brains and such like you know very early on so yeah i can i can understand i, I didn't know that actually i must be honest but yeah i can imagine that that that, that would be the case you know so it, it's they, they are very much a punk band you know they hardcore punk came later you know in the in the in the in the incarnation that i know it's a new you know it as you know but um yeah i mean it's it's just a great great punk record that one you know yeah, absolutely. And well, that because they had to go by Ruts DC in North America because of another Ruts with the copyright on it. And apparently, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, I remember that actually. Yeah, and that was added because of the popularity that they had in Washington DC. I guess according to legend. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, yeah, I can believe that. The, 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 it is curious how things like that happen sometimes. You know. Absolutely. So going back to Birmingham, what about, and I know you're super young at this time and, and obviously wouldn't have seen them play shows, but was there sort of like talk about bands like the Killjoys or Suburban Studs and all that kind of stuff that was kind of popping off? Because those bands were getting some national recognition at that time, right? Yeah, but it was, it, it you know what, the, it was more bands like The Wretched and, and people like that, yeah. you know, oh, that yeah. who were sort of, see, see, don't forget, I was really when i really really got immersed into the local scene it was like mid 80s by that point you know so some of the bands you're referring to were kind of almost in a another part of the scene kind of Mm -hmm. and and the mermaid where we used to go um those sort of bands were not really featuring in that that particular place you know so um but yeah I mean, we used to have a club as well called, there was a club in Birmingham called Barbarella's, you know, which was, I believe the Sex Pistols played there, you know, like very early on, you know, that that, that famous world tour where they just went, you know, each night was quite, you know, quite a spectacle, you know. So, um, but I, I never, it was a bit before my time that was. I know, I know Sham used to play in Birmingham quite a lot, but I never saw him, but there's some, there's some quite legendary tales going on, which I'm sure were inflated a little bit about basically Sham turning up and, and basically the gig just turning into a riot within five minutes. And, you know, a lot of a lot of football fans, football casuals, you know, hooligans or whatever, used to turn up at those kind of gigs at one point. And so it, it got a little bit risk, a little bit tricky, you know, quite quickly in those scenarios. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of people have come on the show, um, you know, from from the UK and talked about how much football kind of played a part in punk rock, like Cockney Rejects turning up to gigs and, you know, running into trouble with local kind of uh, kids and stuff like that. Like it was a a real part of the scene. Yeah, I mean, one of just uh, to be a bit more specific about one of the stories I was telling. And again, I'm only going from memory, so somebody might be able to correct me on some of the details. But and I, I think Sham played in Birmingham, and one of the one of the teams in Birmingham, which is not my team, my team's actually the other team, but uh, Birmingham City. Um, I, as far as I heard the tale, a load of that, a load of those guys turned up, and um, because. Um, um, with Sham, you know, being like West Ham and, and that it just, there was some comments made and um, it just went a bit south, you know, fairly quickly. So, uh, which, you know, I don't condone that stuff. There's there's no need for like violence and stuff like that at gigs, but um, it was the time, you know. So, um, but yeah, what, again, once the Mermaid and the other associate gigs that I moved into, it was more more centered around the peace punk scene than anything else you know the kind of anarcho scene so there was there was never really that kind of you know hooliganish um um 
kind of um, sway, you know, to the crowd. They were, it was all very peaceful. A lot of hippies, you know what I mean? A mix between punks and hippies and just like, you know, all the all other people besides, you know. So it was it was it was great, you know. Really loved it. I, I miss it, you know. I do. I still to this day, you know, I miss it. So yeah, like that's well, I guess that's the birth of like the political punk is that sort of crass. Uh, yeah, crass. Scene. Yeah, but I mean, crass. Crass came came again well before because you know crass were active like really early sort of eighties and stuff. So so the Mermaid eighty six, but but that. But there was a lot of the offshoot bands that would play the Mermaid, like Conflict played the Mermaid um, a couple of times, as far as I can remember. Mm. I loved Conflict. Incredible. Again, that was another band, actually, that was, as I was hearing GBH exploited, and then Conflict was kind of next in line. I mean, the, the Ungovernable Force album, for me, was was like really like quite influential on my formative years. You know, it gave me a further understanding of the injustice of, you know, authoritarian moves, you know, on, 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 on the people at large, you know, and I, I, I really loved it, you know? So yeah, so, sorry, I'm digressing a little bit, but, um, conflict, uh, Chumba Wumba used to play the mermaid quite a lot. Um, who else? Um, like subhumans, I think might have played a couple of times, um, cities and fish, who was the offshoot from, from, um, from subhumans and then we had some bands from the u.s we had like attitude adjustment came over once um oh there was a ton of bands you know what i mean it, i mean i sitting there thinking about it right now there was so much stuff i can't even think of like really any of it you know at this point but. well i guess going back before that where were you first hearing music like where, where did you hear the ruts um for example i, I mean the ruts i actually heard on the radio, first of all, because don't forget, Babylon's Burning single was huge. I mean, John yeah. Peel used to play, you know, all the time, and John Peel was a big fan of the Ruts. So I, I either heard it there or I heard it on just regular, like, chart radio, you know, because it was it was played on there. So it was either of those places. But before that, really, it was my dad, you know, because my dad was a – my dad was a – huge rock music fan you know not not really the punk stuff per se but he sort of started me off on deep purple and led zeppelin we used to basically sit in the living room and he would we had an old record player with a swing arm and he would just play me like D deep purple made in japan was was always one that he used to play a led zeppelin one and two and the song remains the same you know we used, used just to sit and listen to that so, and then and then my dad, you know, then Motorhead came. And once, if we're going to talk about punk, I would have a debate with anybody that Motorhead could certainly be tagged as a punk band. 100%. You know, absolutely. Yeah, for me personally. we Hey, you know, without Motorhead, no GBH, basically. You know what I mean? No discharge. De definitely, you know. So so once, once Motorhead came along, that was it for me. You know, I sort of got an appreciation of a band that sounded like it was coming off the rails you know what i mean every yeah. every time they kind of played you know and i i love that it gave it sort of taught me although i didn't understand fully at the time it sowed the seeds of you know what i want to listen to bands that aren't note perfect all the time that aren't playing like a metronome all the time and, and motorhead gave me that you know and my, my dad really loved them as well you know and um and um we went to see him you know me and my dad went to see my red you know a couple of times so um yeah 
it was yeah it was i remember it now you know i mean i've i've never seen i'd be hard pushed to tell you a band that was as fucking magnificent live as the three piece you know lemmy fast eddie and filthy animal on drums i mean that was just something else to me you know oh absolutely like one of the one of the greatest trios of all time um, oh my power trio i mean the word the the you know the phrase power trio was invented for that band you know what i mean a hundred percent well yeah like it's you think about like you know what you were saying like no discharge no japanese hardcore no burning spirits hardcore without, for sure you know for sure for sure i mean none, none of the american hardcore even or yeah. certain elements yeah. you know no deep wound you yeah. know no siege no yeah. you know the list goes on you know so absolutely was your dad a fan of like hawkwind and pink fairies and that stuff before that yeah yeah, yeah. My, so my dad my dad was was like really into black sabbath i mean black sabbath was very local to me but i like i, I was born in great bar and aston which is black sabbath's a little district is two two three miles away you know so it's 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 really close you know so yeah my dad was he didn't get into the really obscure stuff. He didn't kind of drill down that far. But, yeah, he he loved, like, Pink Fairies, Hawkwind, and also uh, Bebop Deluxe. I don't know if you ever heard that band. He, he used oh, yeah. To, he loved that band. You know, I remember he was, he, he was used to go mad about them. So, so yeah, and he was, my dad was into the, you know, the rock and roll stuff as well, you know, the kind of Dwayne Eddy and, um, you know, Little Richard. And uh, so, so... The, the we're talking about punk here but arguably a lot of elements of that stuff then came into punk later on you know kind of raucous sweaty you know hard delivery of of of, of music you know a little bit unpredictable you know that that was arguably like the the basis you know of certainly proto early punk you know well even like like dr feelgood is like a direct predecessor to the sound like that's that's 100 percent what they're doing is like gene vincent yeah yeah no question no question no question and of course the the stuff that was coming out in new york you know pre you know when whatever year it was now you know Mm -hmm. absolutely um are you uh sorry and i guess going back to uh getting into this stuff where was like the first punk show that you went to would you say or even the sorry first man, show? do you want to do you want to say that again sorry actually a, a train just came fast <laughs> and it's, uh, it's quite a long train and um it's no. kind of drying me out a little bit don't could, worry could i'll edit that again sorry no i can edit that out no problem whatsoever um i guess like uh what was the first concert you ever went to Oh God, that's a good question. First concert I ever went to. Um, you know what? I think I think it was. I've, I've been asked this before. I think it was Judas Priest at the Town Hall in Birmingham. I think it was seventy-seven, seventy-eight, or something like that. You know, it was the cape-wearing years. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. And so, where did you get into Judas Priest from? My dad. Oh, Same that's... thing again. Yeah, my dad again, local band. You know, just mm-hmm. down from just down the road from us. So, you know, you got to remember that local news was very active at that point. You would get very localized news that was well funded. You know, so you would have, you would have, of course, reports on local culture. You know, so I remember Judas Priest playing on the local Birmingham. Um, you know, they dedicated five, ten minutes to to what was going on locally. So yeah, I, I remember that, and it was yeah, it was something else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah. So, and so where'd you kind of go from there? Like, what were some of the other early shows you went to? I think really after that it was Motorhead. You know, yeah, 
I didn't I didn't go to much in the early days because I couldn't really afford it, you know what I mean? Kind of mm-hmm. had to pick and choose, you know. So so I think Motorhead was the next one. Um and that was that was on the overkill tour. Yeah, I saw him on the overkill tour. That's amazing. Yeah, I saw I saw the classic Overkill Bomber and I and Ace of Spades, which of course was the No Sleep to Smith album, you know. Yeah. So were there, were there openers on those early Motorhead shows that you saw? Yeah, there was. Um, I think Girl School was on one of them. I, I can't right exactly remember. Um, I think that, oh, God, you know what? I, do, I can't remember. You know, I think Girl School was on one. I don't remember. I, I must admit, I don't remember the others right now, you know. Were girls, girls, just, sorry, go on. Go on, sorry, yeah. I was going to say, Girl School are kind of from Birmingham as well, right? No, no, Girl School are from London. Oh, there's certainly the. I think the bass player from the Killjoys was in Girl School. After, yeah, 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 probably so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit of a connection. Yeah, I mean, that that they were from London, but again, you know, their 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 first two albums, um, arguably, we might not directly call them punk albums, but they do. They definitely got that energy. I mean, they used to play at a fair old lick, you know what I mean? So, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, fantastic, you know. So what was the first, uh, when did you start playing music? I started playing music in, let me think, um, 80s, 88, I think. So it was with Benediction, which is my first band, you know. Um and then, um, no, or was it? No, sorry. I think maybe the first stuff I did was with, I actually had a like a side band. It was just fast, hardcore, early grindcore, I suppose you'd call it. With um, It was actually the, the bass player on the B-side of Scum, the Scum album, Jimmy. Um, it was Whale, the drummer from Bolt Thrower. Uh, Steve, uh, who was in a band called Cerebral Fix, another hardcore punk band. And... Um, yeah, you know, just just a weekend band kind of thing, you know, nothing serious, just rehearsal room stuff. So that that was where I first started. And to be honest, I just kind of did it off the bat because, and this is the great thing about, you know, punk music, is that you can go to punk gigs and it gives you a realisation, you know what, this could be me, you know what I mean? I, I can do this, you know. And it, it always gave you, a, I found, a confidence to go into a rehearsal room and basically do it yourself, as the saying goes, you know. So so I did. You know, I, I didn't know what I could do. You know, I just kind of tried what I thought was, you know, just kind of felt right. And the rest is history, I suppose, you know. So because you're obviously, you know, a vocal hero of mine and so many other people, like who were some of your vocal influences going into Benediction? Um, uh well benediction it, to be honest benediction was pretty much death metal you know mm. it was like celtic frost um uh, early death massacre stuff like that it wasn't it wasn't till i kind of joined napalm per se that all the other stuff started to come, come out so things like um you know the the, the vocalist from siege um the guy from deep wound um um uh, the septic death vocalist you know um and also on the veering off a little bit um uh, stuff which is very influential on napalm uh like uh, uh michael gyra from swans you know actually actually uh john lydon during the public image years which fantastic you know um 
Uh, what else? Um, like Ian Curtis, you know, from Joy Division. Um, uh, Genesis Piorage, you know, for some of the stuff that he did with the Throbbing Gristle, you know. Um, and, and onwards onwards and onwards from there, really, you know. Um, yeah, the, the guy from Gang of Four, you know, also really great, like vocals and stuff. So a wide palette of stuff that is not, not necessarily straight up punk, but you could say, you know, post-punk or, or or something like that you know i know i know we're getting we're splitting categories a little bit but you know that 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 sort of thing really barney here it's all punk we just everything yeah. that kind of gets thrown under that umbrella i'll take it all in anything sure. and everything but sure. uh, you mentioned some of that international stuff that especially some of that underground stuff were you tape trading at that point Yes, I was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, all all sorts of stuff was flying around. I mean, like um, I was trading with Mickey, you know, at one point, the old Napalm drummer, and um, um, just quite a few people actually, you know. Um, um, I couldn't even remember. I couldn't even begin to tell you that I, I was trading with probably seven or eight people, but I, I know, I know, like Shane. The bass player from Napalm probably had about fucking, I don't know, 30 people, 40 people <laughs> he was trading with. Because the thing was, it was exciting, you know. The, the sort of stuff that was coming out of people's bedrooms even was just incredible, you know, like creatively speaking. Um, and it just goes to show that if people, if you put your mind to something, you don't need the most expensive studios in the world to make something that that leaves a, leaves a mark, you know. So... So that that was what it was for me. I love the I love the you know the sort of um, I love the ethos of it. You know the DIY thing. It's you know for Napalm we have a we have to be honest we have almost hundred percent control over what we do. You know and and we like that because we don't you know we don't we don't want to we don't just do things and then just pass it off, you know, because it's, it's really important how we express ourselves, you know, and the, and ethically speaking, there are a lot of things that we wouldn't do, of course, as well, you know, it's the, just are not, you know, don't kind of fit with the way that we think the band should be portrayed. So, Yeah. Like, I think that's the, that's the amazing thing about that period is you have this like international network of people that are, just completely sidestepping the music industry and through the technology of tapes are able to kind of, you know, like you kids in, in Brazil putting out records by kids in Japan and, and, you know, like this or sort of more, more Scandinavian stuff, I guess with Brazil, but you have this yeah. sort of like exchange going on. That's just so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I used to get, I used to get C one twenties. I mean, it's really funny because there's kind of tape etiquette. You know, <laughs> if you got a one twenty through the post, you'd you'd tell the guy in a friendly way, "Look, don't send me a one twenty. It's going to chew my tape deck. Can't handle it. It's going to chew it." You know, there was always problems with C one twenty tapes. You know, you would you would always say to people, you know, C nineties only, sixties or nineties, please. Anything either side of that. It you could chew your tape deck, you know what I mean, yeah. or chew in your tape deck. So there was these little things, you know. Um, so I guess like what was or going back to those early shows, I think that's the other thing, you know, we kind of touched on earlier is that it's punk kind of happens, that first wave happens, and then it explodes into all these different directions where you have like, you know, even bands like Motorhead going off and inspiring everything, and then you have, you know, like the oi bands going off and doing their things. How much of that stuff intersected 
with the shows you were going to? Like, would like Mega City Four or Leatherface ever play those types of gigs? Yeah, Leatherface. I, th- I remember Leatherface playing um, in the Mermaid, I think. But I mean, the Scar, the Scar, and the Oi bands—they were definitely there. Everything was accepted, you know. But but Oi Oi could be a little bit tricky at times, you know. Um, you know, there was there was a little bit a little bit of kind of infiltration into the oil scene, you know, from uh, quite sort of hard right um, uh, sentiments, you know, and it could be a little tricky. Again, I'm not painting the whole scene with a brush because there's some really great oil stuff, you know. Um, But yeah, in the context of the mermaid, it was a little bit tricky. You didn't see that much of that stuff, you know, Um, and I didn't, I didn't see much of it live either, you know, as a consequence. So, but I, I, I definitely see the place of it, you know, and I liked some oil stuff you know so do that stuff intersect at all with the metal scene was that like is that like you're talking about the infiltration stuff that was going on and obviously that's something that happens very much in north america and spreads but you know was that at a problem in the metal scene at the time you talk about the the right wing far right wing nazi stuff yeah, yeah 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 uh in the metal scene at the time not as far as i could remember I don't remember it. Any any of that stuff kind of came later on in the nineties, really, as far as I understand. Although, again, people, listeners might, you know, might correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't recall any sort of, you know, problematic stuff in the eighties in, in 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 the metal scene. You know, I mean, it did have its issues with machismo, you know, and like silly cliches, you know, but yeah. yeah. Um, but then a lot of scenes did, you know, and it, it, as far as I recall, it didn't really go beyond that. You know, there was some sexy stupidity as well, you know, but, um, um, yeah, I don't really remember any very, very problematic far right stuff going on at that point. I mean, I remember, I remember, I remember like crass had a few problems, you know, with, with violence at the gigs, because of course, it's really weird because Crass is always labelled as oh yeah that left wing band, but they weren't. You know, if you if you look at if you look at the way like Crass expressed themselves, they were always class themselves as apolitical. You know, they didn't want anything to do with politics per se because they just thought it was the continuation of uh, divide and rule. You know what I mean? People fighting each other for some, you know like stupid tags, you know what I mean? Oh, left or right, you know what I mean? So crass were always very much, um, you know, against that. You know, they wanted people to come together. Um, you know, the problem was is that the mud, the mud sticks, you know, and I know I know, crass had some problems with the, some really quite bad violence, you know, at a couple of the gigs, you know, uh, like far right people, you know, it's getting really like aggro you know so um yeah but i never witnessed it directly but you know i I heard about it you know so i think it's it's interesting how you know different the development of sort of extreme music happens in in the uk versus in america like it just seems like so much of the stuff that ultimately you know yourself um are people like yourself are doing it comes out of hardcore comes out of punk rock more directly for sure you know the weird thing is, you know, and I, I, I this, this comes up in many interviews. Um, I, I mean, I don't, I don't wish to correct people, you know, but it, it is worth pointing out, you know, it's like people just, it's very easy to call Napalm a metal band, you know. A lot of interviews, oh, metal band, Napalm. It's like, well, no, that's not quite the picture, you know. It's, 
you know, metal's definitely in the music, 100%, no question it's in there, you know. But equally, as we've been talking about, hardcore punk is, I would suggest, an equal part of Napalm Death. And then on from there, you have the, you know, the kind of noise, industrial, post-punk, uh, noise pop, all, all those elements together. So to me, that the categorization of, of metal in Napalm Death is is just it, it's just a small fraction of the picture, you know. So well, it's it's like extreme music, and especially the way it's taken up by mainstream uh, places in North America seems like very myopic in what it looks at. You know, like it doesn't take into account power violence. It doesn't really take into account sludge. It just looks, yeah, you know. And it feels like the UK. It's a lot more like you're saying. It's it's a lot more nuanced. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, that's the thing. So extreme music for me does have a wide palette, you know, but it's always, you know, the bands that don't sound, that wouldn't be obviously be tagged extreme music. Um, sorry, the bands who would be t- obviously tagged extreme music, like, you know, those that play a million miles an hour, you know, or whatever, then, or painfully slow and really down-tuned guitars. I mean, there's so much more to it than that, you know. Extreme doesn't need to be, like, maximum distortion in your face 100% of the time, you know. There's there's people doing some really interesting stuff on the sound spectrum that's extreme because it's just not touched upon other places. I would argue that's also extremity, you know. Um, But, yeah, you're completely right in what you say. I find a lot of those kind of power violence noise bands to be, you know, 100% more effective in in expressing extremity than than, than some of the bands are, are without you even being too specific of what you're referring to, you know. I think it's also, uh, you know, it's amazing, like, how... A cha- how much of a champion you've been of that stuff, you know, for, for years, you know, you, Napalm Death has always been one of those bands that's like, you know, done splits with bands that are outside of it, you know, yourselves and Entombed, I guess, is the other band, and it's, it's you know, have always made a point of like, you know, working with like a band like Converge or Coalesce or, or you know, yeah. stepping outside see, that's, of it. That, yeah, I mean, the, the thing to say about that is that, see, we consider ourselves um on the level with those bands you know what i mean we don't see ourselves as different you know that that that's the point you know we we we, we really don't you know it's 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 um th- th- there are distinct similarities you know between all, all, all the bands you just mentioned there you know i mean they in terms of the really discordant stuff like converge do like um like um what was the band we did the split with again you just mentioned coalesce them. coalesce yeah you know the the discordance of it. Well, arguably, and and people from that particular sub scene have told me that, like albums like Fear, Emptiness, Despair were like a big influence on their guitar playing. You know, at points. So, so Napalm has a very direct connection to that stuff. You know, um, so yeah, you know, we, we that's we would consider ourselves definitely to be part of that. And you know, many many other things you would care to mention. You know, I um. Yeah, I do. I, I just always, I, I guess I've just always been mindful with Napalm Death is that I, you know, I, I never wanted to conform to, to, to an expectation, you know, a, 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 a pigeonhole, you know, a kind of stereotype, you know, I just, that turns me off, you know, that whole kind of idea of, yeah, well, you must fit into this little pigeonhole, you know, in order to be fully recognised. It's like, I don't give a shit about that, man, you know what I mean? I just really don't, you know. That's why doing things like, 
you know, the tour with the Melvins was fantastic, you know, because again, I would argue there's a lot of similarities between the bands in terms of the density of the sound, you know, but we do have, obviously we do diverge at points, you know, um, but it's just doing stuff like that is such a breath of fresh air, you know, and that was, that was such a great, um, that was such a great tour to do. You know, I, I, I enjoyed that tour so much. Like being out with those guys was just meant a lot to me. You know, I, you know, I bought when the Melvins first came out, I was buying their vinyl. You know, I've got vinyl that I bought from when I was in New York in like, uh, 88, something like that. 89, you know, like seven inches, you know, and I, I just, and you just pinch yourself. You go, shit, I'm, I'm fucking touring with the Melvins. I, I love this fucking Batman. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, know so. you mentioned that trip to New York. Did what'd you, what'd you go to New York for? Because that's oh, before CBGB's. Benediction, right? No, CBGB's with uh, Napalm in '89. We played, we, we played. Hey man, how about this for a gig? How about this for a gig? It was Napalm Death, Prong, and Primitive Origins album. Oh my God. <laughs> and Blind Idiot God. You know, the, the kind of yeah. noise. Oh mate, it was fucking splendid. You know, the only trouble was we were fucking jet lagged like crazy. You know, we, we just, it, it was the first long haul flight I ever did. And mate, by the time we got to New York, I was fucking exhausted. And then, we didn't go on stage till like three thirty in the morning, New York time. So I was just absolutely thrashed, you know. And I know the rest of the guys were like completely thrashed as well, you know. So how long was that tour? No, it was a one-off. A one-off. We you played, just actually <laughs> played two gigs. We played um, one that we played the CBS gig, and then we played a gig that actually the the the, the death metal band Immolation. They they kind of. They, they set the gig up for us. It was in a place called Streets in New Rochelle. <laughs> what was that show like? Oh, wild. Yeah, it was pretty weird. <laughs> uh, as far as I remember, some stuff went down. It got a bit weird, you know, <laughs> but, during that gig. But, yeah, it was, it was good, you know. It was, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, an, an experience for sure, you know. So have you been a record collector kind of your whole life? I don't I don't know. I must be honest. A, I can't afford it. B, I've got the space. I've got no fucking space at all, you know. But I have got some really interesting stuff, you know, from back in the day. So Well, I was gonna say, were you going out record shopping when you were in New York on that trip? Yes, I did. I spent far too much fucking money that I didn't even have, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, I bought Melvin stuff. I bought some maybe some Swedish stuff that I didn't have that I got at Bleakers, Bleaker Bobs. I remember going to Bleak Kebabs, bought some stuff from Bleak Kebabs. Um, some metal stuff as well, I think, as far as I can remember. And, uh, yeah, just went, as you tend to do when you're in somewhere new. Like when I went to Japan, I just went apeshit and bought, like, you know, it was stuff that I just couldn't afford, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You don't know how much I can relate to you on that one on every level, unfortunately. <laughs> you, you sound like you're still doing it now, mate. I, I I had to give up a few years ago, you know, so. I'm kind of at that point now where I finally had to give up. I finally, like, and I think when, you know, especially now that I'm not touring as much, like, to pay the international prices for things versus trying to find them in the wild. It's just, you can't do it once you have yeah. kids. That's for sure. You know, the, uh, here's a, here's, here's one for you. So I haven't been, you know, getting volumes of stuff through the post now for years. That being said, Charlie, the drummer from anti Symex, who is, I don't know if you know Charlie at all, but he's, he's such a nice guy, man. He's one of the, 
nicest people I've met, you know. And he he sent me a package of anti-Symex stuff, you know, and it brought back it brought back a memory of of the old days getting stuff through the post, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, I almost shed a tear, you know, and it came through the post, you know, it, it meant a lot, you know. And um, yeah, he sent me some really nice stuff, you know. So, like OG seven inches and stuff. No, no, he didn't send me that, but he sent me some uh, some. He, he did send me a couple of seven inches, I think, but no, not 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 OG ones. Like, um, but he sent me some CD stuff as well. I didn't have like, um, you know, like discographies and stuff, you know, and some pretty rare stuff actually, um, which which um, and I still owe him, you know. I I I said I'd send him some napalm stuff in return. I just fucking just, you know, just oh yeah. Things have just been a bit, you know, so. I definitely know that, too. I definitely can understand. No, it's amazing with that stuff, like, how how much it's kind of, um, I, I don't know, just, like, how timeless it seems. Like, that anti-semic stuff that you're talking about, or Ratus, or, like, all that kind of Scandinavian, like, it's just, like, yeah. the, the rawness and that power still sounds relevant now. Oh, totally, man. That's, you get any. I think most Scandinavian hardcore punk from that time, you know, eighties, uh, you know, to nineties was was pretty pretty splendid. You know, I mean, the the the, the amount of noise they used to make, you know, like <laughs> I was like fucking shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing I love about this music that we're talking about is the fact that there is this sort of like global cross pollination that happens where you have you know bands like. Disclose, taking in discharge and that kind of influence of all those D-beat bands in Scandinavia and turning something out even noisier. And then that's influencing bands to kind of try and do the next thing too. It just feels like it's one of the few scenes where you have that sort of global exchange. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the only, the only sort of um, thing I would say about it is like any other scene, there does come a point when you've heard the kind of the, same band like the 500 version <laughs> yeah, of them you know yeah. and you can, you do kind of think to yourself please like keep it keep it as it is but introduce some new things a little bit you know what i mean because it's just like and i that that's always, that was always the thing with the lyrics you know um i i always i always felt that the bands like that had a real opportunity to spread ideas you know but the problem is when you when you get a lot of bands that just used to write about nuclear war, that was kind of a touchstone, you know what I mean? And once you've heard that generalized idea, you know, for the five hundredth time, it, it loses its it loses its um, ability to cut through, you know. And of course, um, the more bands that speak out against war and violence, the better, as far as I'm concerned. But if if you make it too generic and you don't give people specific scenarios to hook onto make it as contemporary as you can, then people aren't going to connect, you know, because they're just going to look at the lyrics and the exploding mushroom cloud on the front cover and go, yeah, okay, well, I've been told this a couple of hundred times now and I kind of get it. I get the message now, you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. See, with Napalm, that's what I always try to do is keep it current, you know, with a new album. It's very much current um, idea, you know, based upon current, uh, the current stuff. Well, I think that's the reason Napalm Death is still like a relevant band is because there is that sort of need to keep evolving, you know, like there's within the, obviously the sonic parameters, but like, it's still like something where it's always pushing those to new places. Yeah, definitely, mate, because you can't, you know, you can't sort of, 
you can't set the idea in stone and then just repeat it ad nauseum, you know, because it's not going to work. You know, I think people people can recognise that lack of creativity sometimes, you know, and I just think I just think there's so much more that people can do. They just need to, like, you know, sit back, think about it a little bit more and, like, develop the ideas, you know, and, and I think... I think it's, you know, it would be more effective because, yeah, like I say, I would argue that alongside the power of the music and the creativity of the bands, you know, if you're writing some very strong ideas about, you know, opposing violence, opposing war, equality for all, liberty for all, safety for all, then you should really express it as as as, as creatively as you can, you know, uh, so people, so it actually reads so it gives, gives it, it entertains people and that entertainment will then um draw people in you know what i mean absolutely i guess going back though to be you know way back now to before kind of that grind scene that sort of proto grind uk hardcore scene that existed what do you were like sort of the first bands of that obviously discharge is a precursor but like was it like ripcord or like who were the early yeah heresy yeah definitely heresy i mean heresy um, was was bit was really big for me, you know. I mean, Napalm was actually my favourite band because obviously this is before I was in Napalm. Yeah, yeah of course. But Her- Heresy as well, you know. Um, uh, similar in some ways, but a different kind of sound, you know. Heresy's Heresy's actual sound was definitely more rooted in the, certainly American hardcore, I would argue, you know. So, mm-hmm. so, but yeah, I really love both bands. So it was Heresy, um, Concrete Socks as well. Um, who else from the UK? There's a few bands. Um, Deviated Instincts, who were more Amazing actually, they had band. more of a metal influence within them. Deviated, mixed with like kind of early punk, mixed with a little bit of the Scandinavian stuff. Um, Doom as well, of course. Mm-hmm. Doom, really, you know, Stick, the drummer from Doom, one of my oldest friends, you know. Um, um who else who else who else from the uk um things like the instigators as well i always used to really love the instigators um it's it's funny because you mentioned there's like almost like that sort of like the bands that have that more of american influence to it like bands like heresy or bands like i guess ripcord even or or certainly yeah ripcord yeah and and like jail cell recipes later on a little bit yeah jail cell recipes there you go man there you go yeah yeah stupid as well yeah stupid as well absolutely you know they definitely had the american sound i mean tommy stupid was big on american hardcore you know it was his that's the way he wanted to go you know (laughs) yeah and i think it's amazing how it's like it's almost like the uh it's like this ball that's being passed back and forth sonically between america and the uk like where it's like you know uh you know punk and goes from like the new york stuff influencing the the british first wave and the first wave influences the american hardcore stuff which then comes back and then gets internalized to kind of like you know, the stuff that winds up being, you know, I, I like extreme music, like grind, whatever people want to call it. Like, you know, the stuff that Napalm's doing, the stuff that Carcass is doing, like the stuff that that becomes like this new scene. Like it's 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 so uh, I don't know. I'm just I find it such an inspiring exchange that's kind of happening at that point. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, like, and again, going back to the tape trading thing, mm-hmm. you know, if you're if you're getting music out to people like that, the person that trades the tape is going to then trade it with is going to give a copy to one of his friends and he's going to give a, a, a copy to one of his friends that's why you hear a lot of 10th generation copies of old <laughs> demos and stuff 
that just sound horrible because obviously with cassettes, once you tape and tape and tape, the quality just goes down in the end, you know. But the most important thing about that is that word of mouth gets around, you know, and people get turned on to stuff and it really does spread, you know, like a, like the old saying goes, network of friends, you know. So. Absolutely. And well, it's, like, it's funny because tapes are such an imperfect medium, but here they are, you know, they're the perfect medium for this exchange to happen and, and probably wouldn't have happened without them. No, absolutely, absolutely, you know. Um, I guess, like, I've, I've kept you forever, and would you come back at some point, Barney, for a part two? Oh, mate, any time. Just ask, you know. Mate, I love, I love, I love this kind of podcast, you know. I, there's, I, get, I get a lot of metal ones, you know, or, or ones more about, you know, thoughts and ideas and stuff like that mixed between the two. So, yeah, I'm more than, more than happy to talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you want to nerd out about Radis, this is the place to come, my friend. So, so you're in Canada, are you? Yeah, Toronto. Hey, man, I must mention a Canadian band from back in the day. Uh, well, well, you know, um, um, Subvert, I think it was a Subverse from Vancouver. Do you remember that? Band? Absolutely, an incredible oh, band. Man. I, I, I just came to my mind. I was like, I must mention that band. <laughs> that that band was fucking great you know i just heard them out of nowhere it's one of them ones that just came along i was like what's this you know what i mean and i was yeah it blew, blew me away so if any whether any of those guys are listening or not you know from back in the day but fucking double thumbs up from me man you know what I mean? did they do a split with a band from the uk too on manic year at some point possibly yeah i just don't remember you know one other thing I've got to say is that there's a compilation that I picked up. I lived in the UK for like one year in the year 2000. I picked up this compilation that Kerrang put out, and your credit is on uh, What No Radis. It's like a history of punk compilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you, did you actually try and get Radis on that comp? It would have made that comp, I think. Yeah, I don't remember, mate, actually, now. I, 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 probably. I mean, I, I had some... I had some mad ideas as much as an ex-person, you know, trying to convince like mainstream magazines to put, you know, mind you, you know, Crass did it back in the day when they fooled that magazine to put a, um, a, 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 a wedding magazine to put one of their songs on a, on a, on a, on a cover of a wedding magazine, cover mounted CD. You know, I thought that was fucking hilarious, you know, but, uh, well, and also on the same compilation, you guys do a raw power compilation. So you, a raw power song, sorry. So you do slip it in there. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Raw power, man. What, again, what a band, you know? Yeah. yeah. That Italian stuff, there's just like, I don't know, just something about, you know, hardcore hitting Italy and just f finding perfect route there. Well, it was very distinctive because a lot of the bands could really fucking play i mean not just yeah a lot of hardcore bands are very skilled in playing but the the the, the bands from italy had almost like a um, a classical feel to them in some but and it, it's hard to explain i don't mean that in a cheesy way i mean the, the 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 way they were doing playing like runs in the middle of these fast sections and stuff was yeah. just awesome you know what i mean yeah, I'm like even like you know Rob Power specifically with the cowbell, you know, like just like yeah, weird, weird the stuff cowbell like that. as well. Yeah, 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 stuff that shouldn't work but somehow works perfectly. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, where was the first place you heard Japanese hardcore? Was it Sob? No, it was before that. I think I heard um, what was the fucking band? Very early, but not Kuro. Um, oh god, Ugh. like Stalin or or. Um... No, it wasn't Stalin. It was one of the bands from that time, though. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember. Think, confused. It wasn't Rose Rose? I know Rose Rose were around early on. 
One word, one word band, not not Stalin. Uh, not, not confused. Cure. No, not confused. Uh, um, oh, I can't remember now off the top of my head if I'm honest. No problem. No, don't worry about it. Let, I'm going to fucking Google Japanese archives. I'm trying to think of steps. This is a bad time. No. Uh, not Crow. They would have been later. No. Um, uh, not Taif is obviously. Um, uh, no. Uh, it wasn't Gizem either. Ghoul? No. No, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Fuck. It was one of the really early bands. Yeah. Really, really early bands, you know. Um, God. Not Comes. Um, no. Uh, Mate, I just, I, I can't remember. No problem. Don't worry, about it. Don't worry about yeah. it. There's a lot of bands that we've, we've brought up a lot of stuff, Barney. I'm, I'm, that's the thing. I'm always super stoked by, uh, your, your t-shirts that you're wearing and the fact that I get to talk to you about this stuff. Believe me, I've, I've, I've tested your memory banks to the, to their limits today. I think. Mate, I, I, yeah, I have to say, I love it, man. I love it to this day, you know, punk and hardcore. It just, it's something about, it just gives you a drive, you know, and it gives you a, it's vibrant, you know, and it's just, it's not, not, it's unrestrained, you know, and I, that, that, those things are definitely what I want from, from, from the music I listen to, you know, so. Yeah, well, like you're saying, there's just like this power that you hear in Raw Power, you hear it in Motorhead, you hear it in, in Bastard, like, it's just a sort of like, I don't know, this, 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 this drive, you know? Uh, Barney, as I said, this has been amazing. Would you come back for a part two at some point? Mate, anytime you want it, you just fucking shout, you know, and I'll be there. Yeah, so. Thank you, Barney, for coming on the show. When you're right there, Barney is down to do a part two. It ended abruptly because uh, he had to run, but he is ready to do that part two, and I'm ready to have him do that part two. Oh, my gosh. There's a, there's a lot. You know, I got a lot more questions to ask him, so we will do that in the near future. And these part twos do happen. You're thinking to yourself, he's full of shit. He's full of shit. These part twos never happen. Well, coming up next week on the show, the part two that I've most wanted to do since I did the part one with him, next week on the show, coming back, is Wildcat Robbie Brookside. That's right. The king of the punk wrestling connection will be here again. And if you thought part one was good... Wait to hear part two. There are some incredible stories in part two. Oh my God. If you're a wrestling fan, there are some incredible stories in part two. If you're a punk fan, there's incredible stories in part two. And if you're if you're a fan of both, it, it's a not-to-be-missed episode. That is next week on the show. Uh, I think it, it segues perfectly, too. Like, you know, Barney Greenway, and we talk a lot about Napalm Death and Carcass on the show next week. Ah, oh, you know, it's these, this show books itself sometimes. Well, Tristan would beg to differ on that one because he's the one who actually does all the booking but you know it feels like it books itself sometimes it really does feel like it books itself uh, that's it that's it all right remember as always black lives matter the lives of indigenous people matter please read up show up donate if you can be involved uh right now the world is a very scary place but if we unite we can fucking beat this fascism again fascism was beaten before and, and maybe it wasn't beaten hard enough because it kind of came back, but we can beat it again. I know we can. Uh, also, sign your organ donor cards because you're not going to need those organs by the time they come looking for them. Uh, remember to do something creative. Put yourself out there. Create your own culture. 
and that's it. Protect each other. Wear a mask. And I'll see you next week on the show. Thank you for listening. Love ya. <laughs>